Come take a seat at the Weird Kid Lunch Table. My name is Amber. I'm here with my co-host, Brittany. Hello, hello. And Lilith. Hey, they, hey. And today we are taking a look at the 90s movie, The Thief and the Cobbler. Lilith, can you give us a little bit of background on this? To start, while it is a 90s movie, it started all the way back in the 60s. And this production had a long and storied history, going through several production companies, several animators. And there are at least four versions of the film that I know off the top of my head. That's pretty crazy. So how many hours of animated footage did they end up having? Because you said that they like made a bunch of animation scenes that didn't even get used. (laughs) Yeah, like so when they started this thing, the idea was to have to basically make this movie without a big production company. They wanted to do it just them and kind of put it together themselves with their own money. Like an indie film. Okay, I can dig it. Yeah. Trying to be the next Vizzy Pop, but you know, in the past. In the past, yeah. The problem was they got a lot of like strange people to work on it and stuff like that. There are several different problems with it, including who got to hang on to the money, which apparently was a family member. It always Um, comes down to money and family, don't it? (laughs) Yeah, it do. (laughs) So... Originally, they had put together three hours of animation clips. Three hours. The one that we watched was, what, like an hour and 20 minutes? Like, I think the one we watched was the Miramax version, so it was an hour and 12 minutes and some change, according to the YouTube. So the one that we watched, an hour and 12 minutes, it's probably including the credits. So it went from that three, and that three hours was just what the original person had put together. And this was supposed to be based off of a book. And at some point they had lost the rights to be able to do that. The person that wrote the book had basically yanked that. The permission. (laughs) They they just yanked permission from them. They're like, you know what? I don't want this to happen anymore. I don't want you to do it. So the majority of what they had animated could no longer be used because there were copyrighted characters in it or yeah copyrighted characters so now they have to take the story and basically create their own characters and mary sue's and gary stews and throw Mm -hmm. them in there they had to cobble it together Ah. if you will (laughs) <laughs> so did the book have the same title? Because I went into this pretty well blind. Uh, I didn't grow up watching this like Brittany did. Yeah. So, find... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so I find like growing up, I don't know what it is, but I'm like a weird animation magnet. And I have watched some crazy stuff that I would just bring up and everybody around me would be like, what is that? I don't know if anybody remembers Fire and Ice or Rock and Roll or that weird honeybee cartoon from the 50s. (laughs) But I watched a lot of that. (laughs) And like things like the ketchup vampire. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's got to be on our list. Oh, yeah. We have to visit that one later. That one looked neat. This movie was really interesting, though, because it did have a lot of, like, bigger names tied to it. Like, it had, like, Vincent Price and, like, what was the the guy that played the cobbler was somebody big, too. Matthew Broderick. Right. They were, like, set up for success with this cast. The animation was smooth. It was beautiful. I'm not not quite (laughs) sure, like, what happened here because the story was a little weird. Sounds like nepotism and money. (laughs) I feel like that's... (laughs) 
what happened. Yes, partially. So it looks like the original film was going to be called Nasrudin, which was based on a book series by Idris Shah. Shah? Yeah, I think Idris Shah. So it was going to center a character called Nasrudin, who is not in The Thief and the Cobbler because that was the character that was trademarked that they could no longer use. All these other ones, I think that they had just found that there was like enough sequences with The Thief and the Cobbler in it that they were like, let's make these the main characters, which is probably why in the earlier versions, as in like the original and the recobbled edition, which is the version that someone had made that was a fan of the work and wanted to kind of see a sort of finished version of it. It's probably why the main characters, the thief and the cobbler, do not have speaking lines in that one. Yeah, because they did in the version that we watched. The designs are all really neat. And that might be tied into the fact that they had to create things since they no longer had permission to use their source material. The, the thief's dialogue, like inner monologue, though. Right. was probably one of the funniest parts of the movie for me. His inner monologue was bananas. It was killing me because at times he legitimately sounded like a bad Jeff Goldblum impression. And I'm not quite sure if that was like intentional or if the person just did that. I think that Jeff Goldblum was probably pretty young when he recorded those potentially. Well, let me see which which uh, person had actually done that voice because it's somebody different in each version of it. Uh, I think. It looks like in the first one, it's unknown. In the second version, it was Ed E. Carroll. And the third was Jonathan Winters. Oh, okay. I'm not sure uh, which one we saw. We the saw the Miramax version is Jonathan Winters. Okay. Yeah, we we saw what ends up being considered. I believe people would consider this to be the fourth version. Um, with like, if, if you look on like the Wikipedia, it has three versions of it. The recobbled edition I would put in between the original and the Fred Calvert version. Okay, because we we tried to watch the recobbled one and it was just a little bit too chaotic. It was yeah. Uh, it was something. <laughs> Like, it's definitely something that I could watch, but I know that Brittany was not having those. No, I couldn't do it. It was the never fear, never fear coming out of that crowd. I was like, no, it's literally the storyboard version. It's, it's literally nails on the chalkboard. I didn't like it. The sound quality was poop. It was just poop. So I didn't uh, go back and watch the recobbled version, but we watched a little bit of it at first to kind of get an idea of it. And there's like a lot of differences between that one, which is kind of the closest to like the original that you can get without just seeing bits of the original version. There's a little bit of a recoloring and stuff like that, but it's just got little storyboards in there. And they changed a lot just in the little piece that we saw from the Miramax version. Yeah, they the Miramax version had a whole song and dance number that was poorly drawn in. Yeah, those did surrounded not. by the original animation that was very beautiful. Like those roses were just wow, chef's kiss. Oh yeah, the roses were beautiful. Yeah, like you can tell. To me, the biggest part that stood out during the musical numbers that they added in that first musical number they added in with Princess Yum Yum's hips. Oh my gosh. <laughs> They made her hips they, little. They they looked like the kind of level of drawing that I was doing when I was like in high school and that I probably still do because I don't actually practice drawing. It's like 2009 but, deviant art. Yes, that is the aesthetic. <laughs> Princess Yum Yum's dance number at the beginning is exactly the aesthetic. <laughs> 
But I have to say, like, when she's not doing that weird dance number, she's beautifully drawn. Something about the way her, like, face is, her eyes, like, those long, long lashes. It's just very aesthetically pleasing to look at. Yeah, and I actually really like Princess Yum Yum's character. Like, for something that started out being produced in the 60s and ended up finally being released from Miramax in the 90s, her character, like, she had agency, like, she had once she was confident in herself they actually made a pretty well-rounded character yeah she wasn't like the disney damsel in distress that you got at the time she was also like super slim thick she was fucking stacked oh yeah (laughs) like barbie yeah she looked like she was gonna fall over she definitely had a had a, a Barbie uh, curvature. And it's interesting because if, if you think about it, the Disney Aladdin came out. I, I don't know if it was before the Miramax version or after, but either way, this had been in production for a long time and Disney it was definitely borrowed year from this before. animation. It was a year, a year before, before the Miramax Aladdin, version. Al- Aladdin released in 92, Miramax released in 93 or 5. can't remember okay. exactly. So a version of this film had already been out by the time Aladdin came out. Yeah, Aladdin. Aladdin was 92, this was 93, the version that we watched. And the Fred Calvert version, which is the one in between, let me see when it came out, because that one would have definitely been out already. Well, Disney's kind of known for like riffing on stuff, aren't they? Like, isn't that like DreamWorks and Disney's doing? They're like in some competitive, like, I'm going to release the first. I know there was like some Mm -hmm. drama with Bugs Life. But like Disney's always been like that because you've got like Kemba and The Lion King. Right. But then you also have DreamWorks coming in and like Disney's about to do it again. And so they like rushed and released Ants before Bugs Life comes out. Yeah. (laughs) both of them though like i, I thought that was pretty good <laughs> ants is just completely different it like like it is. life is busy movie it's fun it's colorful you know mm-hmm. you're having a good time as a kid ants is slightly horrifying it feels like a horror film it definitely um, has a bit more of like an adult feel to it. Like like a comedic horror film because the way their life is is just not no, no thank you. Just I, I'm not into any of that. Maybe we should take a <laughs> look at that one. Probably not great. Yeah. That would be that would be a fun one. Mm, I, I would, would be down. Fun. But yeah, the uh Disney definitely took from this film. Like hundred oh, yeah. percent. Which the like, world seems to be built and I did they mention in the regular version that it was Baghdad? Because the recobbled one mentioned specifically Baghdad, but I can't remember if the like Miramax one that we watched said it or not. Miramax did. But it at was the beginning at the end, I think. It was pretty accurate to like old Baghdad. Like I looked up a picture, I looked at what this setting looked like. They they did it with like love. It wasn't in like parody like it was pretty close to what it would have been like although princess yum yum's name is kind of racist and sexist a little bit yeah Yeah, definitely there's definitely some racism in there like there are definitely whitewashing well yeah there yeah (laughs) the blatant whitewashing we got to watch Tat go on his uh, revolution path from starting to pasty white to transforming slowly into the person color he should have been the whole time. Right. Like he was he was properly brown by the end as he should have been from the beginning. But we were like, well, maybe maybe he just didn't go outside. And by the end, he had spent a considerable amount of time in the desert. So like maybe- his head cannon that he just got sun. Yeah. <laughs> like he got a little bit of color. It's the most charitable interpretation, at least. 
Because, I mean, it's a stark difference. He goes from being really, like, paper white to being darker than Princess Yum Yum in the end. Yeah. And he's also, like, skinny and scrawny. So he's not the, like, textbook prince that's gonna... He, he was kind he of was... at the end, too. He was a little he buff at some... the end. He got some definition in his arms. But, like, he was clearly not gonna be there to save the day. Like, up until the very end, he wasn't, like, super useful for anything other than cobbling. I actually I mean... kind of liked that about him. Like, I kind of liked that he was more of a character that used cunning instead of brute strength. He used his cobbling as his weapon and his defense, which I thought was really clever. Yeah, because like he sat there and played with the string and then could use like sewing as an attack against people. And he was intelligent. He wasn't the broad. Yeah. The way Zigzag went out at the end, though, is going to haunt me for the rest of my days. Um, oh, yeah. Because he just got ate by all of his pets. Yeah, he got the like, scar I treatment. Yeah, every pet Definitely. that he had was like, nah, you know, I'm out for revenge. I'm going to consume your body now. Yeah, but his Florida man slay was pretty cool. Oh my and gosh, that was amazing. came back and got him. The, yeah. the entire sleigh turned around and was like, chomp, chomp. He really had a sled gator team. Yeah. <laughs> and that buzzer was like, ooh, I can't wait for some scraps. Yeah, like he definitely through the entire thing is constantly gesturing to his stomach and like acting like he's hungry and in this one saying also that he's hungry. So uh, he finally got fed. That's yeah. a happy ending. That's a happy yeah. ending. Bird. The animals got fed. Yeah. So funny story. Most of the characters in the movie are based off of real people from the production team, oh, really? uh, including Zigzag, who was basically based on the person that kind of embezzled their money. Oh, God. Which I thought was kind of hilarious. The sneaky, greedy uh, Vivazier Zigzag is based off of the guy that took all their funds for production. Yeah, he was really a fun character design because he was kind of like a thicker version. Like he just seemed like he was bigger and broader than like Jafar, but he was blue. Yeah, Jafar was definitely based off of him. Oh, yeah. Like, like there's there's been a lot expression. taken from this movie. A lot. And oh, I was before I was saying that Jasmine was based off of Princess Yum Yum. And I find it interesting that Jasmine has so much less agency in Aladdin than the Princess Yum Yum does. Yep. Princess Yum Yum is actually kind kind of the main hero in this story if you think about it she's like, the driving force of she, of going there and trying to solve the issue and defeat the prophecy exactly without her the plot goes nowhere for most of it the, the thief doesn't really do much but he does end up stealing a bunch of balls twice he starts the issue and solves the issue by doing the same thing. Yeah. Do you want to give like a quick rundown of like the basic story? Because like I've got notes, but it it was a lot to follow for like a first time watch through. And you guys have both you're a little bit more familiar with it. We can we can give it a shot. So picture this: the movie opens up with a narration from Tack, and the other version it opens up with weasened wizard hands holding it the world, ma'am. <laughs> It was a weird glowing butthole spider that turned into hands. <laughs> that turned into yeah. wizard hands. There was light at the end of the butthole. But you start off with a quick narration and then you see the thief running around being gross. And he tries to steal from this old lady that has bananas. And the old lady has gorilla arms. And she's like, you're not taking my bananas. And she like messes him up. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go into this house and see if I can steal some. And it's a real muscle. Hobbler's house. And in that cobbler's house, he starts like checking his pockets, but he's he's kind of getting a little bit salty because the cobbler has nothing but moths in his pocket. So <laughs> then like the cobbler in his sleep, he must have been having a sexy dream. Because he started like monkeying around this thief, like, oh yeah. And also like trying to sew him into his clothes, sleep sewing. But like so the thief is kind of self uh human centipeding with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He was between his thighs. <laughs> Yeah, was, he, he had him in a headlock. Yes. It was definitely was, erotic. It was weird. <laughs> I I dig their relationship, and I personally think that it's canon that the thief became tax side piece. They had that little part where like they're rolling around while the cobbler's asleep, and they like do the oh their their lips touched. They they had a like random kiss, and in my notes I put the animation studio said gay rights. <laughs> And that was in the original. That's original animation in the 60s. That's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Now, we like to find gay anywhere we can, but it felt oh, yeah. pretty intentionally. It happens there's, multiple there's times. Gay. Yeah. Every time they, like, are in the same frame and, like, the Doing same semi-erotic. They are entwined with each other. There's some weird sexual tension there. There really is. Which is gross, and I'll explain why it's gross in like a second as I get through the rest of this uh, retelling of the movie. (laughs) So at this point, here comes Zigzag, the grand sorcerer. He has a parade into town. I don't know why. I guess because he's Zigzag with his unfurly shoes when he walks. So he's walking. Everybody's singing praises. He's like, ah, yes, I'm a very important person. Meanwhile, Tack wakes up and he's like, oh shit, there's a dude on top of me. So then they roll around because they're attached to each other because Tack was cobbling in his sleep and he ends up getting tossed out in the street and losing some of the tacks because I guess he also likes to keep tacks in his mouth. He's he's just got a bunch of tacks in his mouth. I don't know. Really, every time he hits the ground, tacks and like thread and spools just fall out of his pockets every single time he hits the ground, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. He's constantly losing his uh, work gear. But anyway, Zigzag, not paying attention, he ends up stepping on some tacks and he's like, oh no, this person attacked me. I'm going to take him up to the castle and I'm going to have King Nod murder him. So... (laughs) So then they march up to the castle and Princess Yum Yum goes into a song and dance saying, I want more than this provincial life. I mean, <laughs> kind of just like that from like Beauty and the Beast, but you know, Thief and the Cobbler version. That's when we get those roses. There were these beautifully animated roses. I have mm-hmm. never seen roses animated like that. They were gorgeous. Like that was the They're single beautiful. most beautiful piece of animation that was in the entire thing. Like the whole thing was great, but like those freaking roses, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those roses were unreal. And then you got Nanny there with her gorilla arms, because that's the old lady who brought in the bunch of bananas. Mm-hmm. That way she could, I guess, feed Princess Yum Yum. But she got her dressed and Yum Yum's like, who's that they're bringing into the castle? So she goes and she wakes up her dad, who's just nodding on the throne because, you know, he's King Nod. He's epileptic <laughs> or narcoleptic. Narco- that's the one. <laughs> yes, narcoleptic. No, but, yeah. Seriously, if you are epileptic, do not watch this movie. 
Oh, God. We need to put that warning. Go ahead, Amber. I had to look away a few times because it just does some like black and white flashing. So if you you have seizures, uh, maybe don't watch this movie. I'm not sure if it would trigger anything, but like better safe than sorry. Mm. Yeah, definitely skip this one. Anyway, she gets him up and then Zigzag's like, he attacked me. And Princess Yum Yum, he's like, oh, please don't be a drama queen. And she wanted to save the cobbler because she's like, he looking kind of hot, though. And so she snaps her shoe in half and she's like, excuse me, Papa, I need to have my shoe fixed. It's very important. And he's like, oh, yes, of course, have your cobbler. So then they go upstairs and they're flirting with each other and shit. And Nanny's like, he's a peasant. You're a princess. No, 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 no. <laughs> and then in the middle of all this happening, the thief's outside swimming in sewer water, trying to figure out his way in the castle. <laughs> Right, like maybe that's why he was green. And had flies trailing all over him. Like he's just leaving comfortable in there. Snail trails. Because there's that scene where like it looks like they're all leaving like slippy snail trails. That was the beginning when he's trying to steal the bananas from the lady. (laughs) Yeah. And she beats the shit out of him because like she's got those giant gorilla arms. (laughs) She does got gorilla arms. She's the real muscle in this movie. Oh, she's really the one that saves day. Anyway, long story short, the thief gets into the castle, sneaks in through the bathroom, sees that Princess Yum Yum is bathing, was about to leave, and then was like, oh, that's a golden jewel-encrusted back scratcher. So he steals that, runs out, because he's like, I don't need to see naked women. I'm, I'm not into that. And he ran off, and then here comes the cobbler, well, he really gets tripped by the cobbler by accident because he's just sitting there. And then he's like, holy crap, what are you doing? And for some reason, he's like, I'm going to grab the princess's shoe, even though the other pair is not together. So he's just stealing one shoe. It's not even and gold then, or anything. No. This, it, and it, it was ripped in half. Like he was fixing a broken shoe. So you took a half broken used shoe. I don't I don't see any value in that. Anyway, he's running with the shoe and I guess the jewel encrusted back scratcher and the cobbler's like, thief, thief, stop, give me back the shoe. And then that's where like they run into those black and white flashing hallways. And then eventually they split off and the thief gets out and the cobbler runs into zigzag and zigzags. Oh, you finished the shoe. Great. Now I'm going to throw you in the dungeon. And so then he just throws him in the dungeon and said, bye, I hope you starve and die down there. (laughs) And then later on, what, they were having like a festival and some shit where there was some jousting no they played polo it was was polo yeah sorry i keep thinking the movie set even older but the polo kind of like i don't know the the way that the polo scene looked reminded me of like a bosch painting or something yeah like a garden of earthly delights like actually a lot of the movie does (laughs) there's a lot going on Mm -hmm. visually yeah they made a lot of interesting design choice for everything the backgrounds are all like super detailed the backgrounds have a lot going on mm-hmm. at least the original ones do they're really intricate and like they even have some really cool visual what's the word i'm thinking of like illusions essentially like those old uh paintings with the stairs that go everywhere oh, yeah yeah because yeah. when they were like walking out it, it did the thing like with the stairs where they walk down one but come out a place where you think they shouldn't be able to yeah it's really interesting there's a lot to look at for sure yeah it's definitely an interesting movie anyway picking up where we left off so they're having this thing while they're having this thing the thief is like i'm gonna steal these balls so i guess nobody was paying attention because my dude mr thief over here is vaulting up this giant tower to the very 
very tippity toppity of the tower uh, where you get money shots of his feet and he finally steals these balls and these balls disappeared and King nods like oh no and then he has some premonition and he like a nightmare where the prophecy is like the one eyes are coming for us the one eyes oh no the balls are gone we need to we need to stop the one eyes can i just say like how much (laughs) that really got me because it was like oh no the balls are gone the one eye monsters are coming like (laughs) like (laughs) it it can't be like not on purpose, right? Like, right. Like there yeah. were there were like dick buildings in the background. Like this had to be on purpose. Like this was hidden there for the parents, right? I, I feel like it's LGBTQ movie, and you can't change my mind. <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of like little scenes in there. In the version that we watched, they cut a couple of scenes. They cut the the prostitutes at the beginning. And then I know that there's a scene in there where the women that make up the throne of the main antagonist uh, are like dancing around. And they took that out of this version as well, the Miramax version. So uh, it's a little, I guess they were trying to make it a bit more kid friendly, but they still left in so much stuff. Yeah. Okay, so like like the the, thief thief got the balls. So so the thief got the balls and he's like, okay, I'm going to disappear with these. And then that's when Princess Yum Yum and the king and everybody's like, what do we do? What do we do? And then uh, Princess Yum Yum's like, I'll go talk to the good witch, which uh, King Nod at first didn't know anything about the one eyes, but suddenly knew their entire history and backstory and was explaining that to Princess Yum Yum. Yum Yum. He was like, I wish I had a son. And Princess Yum Yum's like, you don't need a son. I'll go do it. And so her (laughs) and the cobbler go on a caravan adventure to try to save the gold balls. And the one-eyed creatures ended up stealing the gold balls. And it was a real... You missed the part where uh, Zigzag was like, I can help you if you let me marry the princess. Oh, yeah. Her dad was just like... Her dad was like, fuck no. He like values his daughter and was like, um, you're not good enough. Yes. Bye. He he definitely tried to be Jafar in that situation from it was, Aladdin. It was just like really refreshing that the dad wasn't like, oh, yes, shady character. I will let you marry my daughter. He was like, no, dude, go away. <laughs> he mm-hmm. his face. He's like, hell yeah. no. <laughs> he even says that like she needs to marry a person of virtue, which is all so much shade to just say to that dude's face. Like yeah. he knows he he's knows. fucky. But, but, he then, knows. but then the king was like, okay, pick who you want to guide you across the desert it's going to be really dangerous there's like really fucky people out there and she's like i want the skinny and scrawny guy <laughs> i like him skinny and scrawny skinny and scrawny skinny she's scrawny she does bring her nanny though yes uh, who <laughs> is the true muscle oh my god yes. <laughs> bringing nanny was top tier like number one yeah. choice because she's the big like, guns big, big brain big brain move bringing nanny along yeah yeah you get your smart sneaky boy and then you got your powerful strong nanny that's all you need in life really yeah and the, uh, the movie, I, I kind of like blur a little bit in the desert because to be honest, that part is just, it feels kind of like slow the, and a little boring. There's the stay in school guys. Oh, that yeah. part was great. You guys should explain Ruthless. that because I know that uh, 
Lilith, you started cracking up. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot. I, I will say I like the song. I thought it was catchy. It was like a low-key bop. It's like a low-key. It was uh, Ruthless and his band of brigands, which part of that scene and the scene that is in every version of this movie was actually recorded. It was a group of Irishmen in a pub that they just asked to like make noises and stuff like that. They gave them beer and was just like, you know, have at it. And they actually got into a fight and they left it in and just animated around it. And it's in both. It was in like this it was in the version that we watched as well but this song is like really catchy and it's all about staying in school um and obviously it was added later because the original was not going to have any musical sequences but i thought it was like kind of fun and even though they decided not to put a background in like half of it i know they're in their desert but like so much of the movie has like intricate beautiful backgrounds and they're just like eh, we don't need a background for this they ran out of money that. at that point <laughs> I, I didn't even notice that because the guys were like so interestingly designed. Like their designs were like fantastic and horrifying. I'm pretty sure yeah. they were an army of undead gruesome men. Yeah. like They had to have been dead. I, I can't imagine them being alive and looking like that. There was honestly like a lot of like little hints that they were kind of undead because there was definitely that little creature that was with them. I think it might have been a snake, but half of it was bones. Yeah. And half of it like had flesh on it. So like it does seem to me like maybe they might be like undead a little bit, but they, they had like those- some frankensteins right like they looked yeah. like they were sewn together almost. Yeah, yeah they were like stitched together and they had some low-key are you afraid of the dark energy but the way that they moved was so fluid it was it was so weird it was really top-notch animation for those scenes yeah maybe that's where like all the new animation budget went to when they like did the filler scenes they're like okay these guys are gonna do this stay in school kids bit and then the princess is gonna be like wow you guys are great be my royal guard (laughs) (laughs) and i get why you kind of glazed over this part because they don't serve really any narrative purpose no like no. once they hit the desert things kind of get boring i mean yeah the the undead guys were really funny but like you know you have the thief acting crazy climbing up mountain hands and then like it's just i don't know it's just kind of boring in the desert and then they reach the witch and suddenly it moves really fast yeah that's <laughs> zigzag gets to the the one-eye guy who has got the turtle mouth yeah he's got straight turtle mouth i had never seen the inside of the mouth of a turtle before i I never want to again. I can never unsee that. I thought that was common knowledge. I'm so sorry, no. guys. It was awful. It is etched into my mind for the rest if, of the If anybody out in the audience yet seen what the inside of a turtle mouth looks like, just Google it. Just but, Google it. But like, know, be fine. That, know that you've been warned. <laughs> like, it, nah, yeah. it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Know that you cannot unknow once yeah. you know. Yeah, 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 It's fine. Everything's fine. Crush will just have a whole different meaning after that. <laughs> You know, for how long it built them up having to get to this place and go see the the other eye witch. She was, what did they say? She's like the sister of the twin of the other evil one eye guy. She's the sister of one eye and she has his other eye. So her voice was fantastic, but she was like barely in it. Yeah. Two seconds, wispy wind witch. But her voice was great. Like it was so like textbook. This is a witch character. Yeah. Like they definitely got some good voices for it. Zigzag was played by Vincent Price in every version of this, I think. Yes. He was fantastic. He was so good. He was so good. And uh, also Zigzag speaks exclusively from what I could tell in iambic pentameter. 
the like two sentence rhyming scheme. Oh, yeah. yeah, We were silent because we didn't know what you meant. We just kind of sat here and looked dumb and Lilith knew that we needed more context. (laughs) We were too stunned to speak. We need more context, Dad. I learned how to read the room, finally. (laughs) It happened today. (laughs) So anyway, around the end of this, you know, the cobbler and Zigzag get into a fight. The cobbler cobbles his way out by sewing up Zigzag to where he falls in a hole and gets eaten by all of his animals. (laughs) But for some reason, the cobbler, the skinny, scrawny little cobbler, thought that he was going to stop a whole ass horse (laughs) while Zigzag was riding at him and he just got trampled. Oh my god. He really said my body's going to stop this horse. And then like the thief was doing like bullshit in the like steampunk gears and it just like randomly zoomed in on his foot. They were like it it seems like most of the time it was his feet really that they were zoning in on so they must have just you know what like from what I understand, based on that one episode of King of the Hill, apparently people who are into foot fetishes are into, like, smelly feet or something like that. So that's probably why they went after the thief. I mean, I was definitely confused for a few moments because I thought I was watching a Quentin Tarantino film because of all the feet service. But I was wrong. It was this weird Andy <laughs> animation that Miramax, WB, all these production companies bought and passed around. Right, it would, but it was so close on the feet. Like it was like boom, foot shot. <laughs> a lot of feet. It's like here. Look at this. If we went on Foot Finder and like made a profile for the thief, just <laughs> <laughs> just post picture of the thief and the cobbler's thief pics. There's there's plenty of material to go on. Oh my God. I mean, it's free content. They can just go watch the movie if they want. It also sounded a little bit questionable when the cobbler is in that like mist fighting zigzag. Like they were oh, they yeah. were making some questionable noises. And Princess Yum Yum just standing there looking at the smoke, like, what's going on? She was what's happening. She was looking respectfully. <laughs> I have to give it to the voice actors for that one, though, because they left in Vincent Price's voice. So he didn't actually do the voice acting with them. They recorded like so that the cobbler recorded his voice lines maybe decades after. Right. Because Vincent like, Price, but isn't. he had the tax hit in his mouth. So like he did not speak like originally he was not meant to speak. I think originally yeah. he was supposed to have one line. In the yeah, he did. yeah, he had one line. Um, and we still don't know whose voice it is. It's a mystery. Mystery boy. <laughs> Which is kind of cool. It's good to know that there are still mysteries out there. Yeah. Unsolved mysteries. Miss that show. Let's so, not derail. <laughs> so, so from there, it's basically Zigzag gets the scar treatment. They got the balls back. Tack marries Princess Yum Yum and gets super fucking tan, honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he turned into a person of color at the end. Oh, yeah. As he should have been the whole time. Like, I guess it's just all that time indoors. I don't, know. The, I don't know. The king was pretty pale, too. Yeah, but mm. Princess Yum Yum was a legit person of color through the entire movie, as she also should have been. So, like, that was the one thing they did kind of right. Yeah, they definitely had some issues with portraying race in here, but also just the skin tones are all over the place. For like, like, how early in the 60s people. was some of this made, too? Because that could be prior to, like, Martin Luther King and all of that stuff. You know, I'm not 
sure. It just said it was like the idea was conceived in the 60s. I don't know if you found anything like specific, Lilith. Um, let's see. Yeah, do it looks like investigations. Do, 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 Give it a do. quick goog. <laughs> um, 64. Mm, okay. Was when they started to get production going. But that doesn't oh. necessarily mean that it was like colorized then. So like it, it I don't know. Because like the cobbler is legitimately like paper white at the beginning. So it kind of makes me wonder if like they ever colored him in if like somebody just forgot and they liked the way it looked. It's interesting. Like it's possible that they may have done that. It's hard to say because all like all the pieces of animation that were done early on in the original production team, it's peppered throughout the film. So there were pieces of it that were all the way through. And even in parts that were like in the original, it was like that. However, when thinking about it, I don't know if those were the original colors because I know even in the recobbled edition, they recolored a lot of it. Okay. Because the original had it was very yellow orange. It had almost like a yellow wash. It was like dated. It was like of the time that it was originally from. Yes, exactly. Okay. Because like the thing that was really confusing to me is that like they had this really great cast. The animation was beautiful. Didn't you say that like some of the animators had like worked on the original Grinch film? Like the animated version? mm -hmm. The original animation production head uh, Richard Williams was the person I believe that was working on it. So like this was set up to succeed and it just kind of like faded into obscurity because like I had only vaguely heard about this and Brittany was like this is a childhood movie because yeah. mm. I just watched the weirdest shit when I was like a child like some really yeah. obscure animation right like the most obscure I got was like the last unicorn which isn't even that obscure anymore like everybody knows what mm. it is now but like at the time not many people did but this one I was like what in the world is this I got a, a hold of a lot of like maybe not necessarily a lot but I got a hold of some interesting animated movies and shows and things like that from like the bargain bin because that's mostly where my family shopped from when we got movies and stuff especially like when we were kids like the kids movies that they all got all of it was dollar like dollar bin stuff yeah the 50 cent big bin. lots dollar bin is where i got like majority of my sailor moon vhs <laughs> oh those are so good Did we always just like rented stuff like I rented stuff from like Blockbuster, but it was not usually like these off the wall animated things. Like I, I rented like movie mm. movies. Rentals for me, uh, rentals were lost on me because every time I went to Blockbuster, I rented Biodome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I seriously, <laughs> the only movie I rent, like it's not the only movie I rented, but I did get it almost every time. Why? <laughs> Why Biodome? I have because... no idea. I don't know. I watched it recently just for <laughs> the heck of it, and I was a weird kid. I I mean, clearly we were all weird kids. I mean, we put it in the in the name of the podcast, yeah. but like <laughs> I remember renting like obscure video games from Kroger. So I did oh, more Kroger like video. 
video games and stuff than like actual movies like there was like bomberman fantasy race which like nobody knows what it is but it was like my cousin and i it was like our favorite freaking game to play awesome there's a lot of good weird old games Uh, a lot of really weird obscure awesome vhs's like the mcdonald's vhs's they used to provide you that you'd get from mcdonald's and it would be like full-on like three episodes on a vhs of ronald mcdonald going on an adventure in whatever land i just remember grimace very vividly and he was my favorite character that that is like that is the um the like energy that i'm getting from this movie that we watched like it's like that (laughs) style of energy like i got this for free in my happy meal in 1993 that's the energy that i'm getting from this no my mom paid full vhs price for that movie oh man i feel like i probably did see this movie at least once when i was kid and must have because i feel like i've heard that ruthless song the stay in school song because like it's so familiar <laughs> unless they just had unless i just like watched someone on youtube that was talking about animation with this in it i will say that i did watch one video which is which was my inspiration for even pitching this movie from a youtuber named for shame the number four shame so shout out to that guy that furry for making <laughs> It has so much good information in it. I do recommend it if anybody wants to know more about that movie, about the Face My Father. I feel like it's a good thing I didn't know about this movie as a kid because I recently started doing one of those like draw a screenshot in your style thing and I did it for The Last Unicorn and I realized that like my art style is heavily influenced by The Last Unicorn and it would have been very heavily influenced by Princess Yum Yum because her design was so good. Oh yeah, she was fun. I was the designer. Part of that movie. Too. Like she really was. Princess Yum Yum was top notch. The person that they had voice her, I feel like, put a lot of energy into the role as well. Mm-hmm. Did we look up who that was? It I think is Jessica Beale, I believe. What? No way. Jennifer Beals. Jennifer Beals. Okay. Other Beal. <laughs> Beals. Beals. Oh, there's, um, there's a beer she called Princess English. Yum Yum. There's a beer called Princess Yum Yum. Is she on the bottle? What kind of beer is it? Uh, it is a raspberry Kolsch from I'd Denver Beer Company. I don't even know if they like meant to make that reference, but when you Google Princess Yum Yum, it is only That's that awesome. beer and pictures of this woman that come up. Okay, I will say that if you look at the colors of the like the can, they're it the does, same. Yeah, yeah, it is her color palette. But I was trying to look up the voice actor so i could see what else she's been in because like wondering if the color palette for the logo was the same as what's on the bottle just to see if they really did color it after her man they really just had like so many like hard hitters in this it's just it's really unfortunate that it didn't get as big as it seems like they were anticipating it like it didn't get finished like the animation really shows that so many people put so much into this yeah and and there's a lot of irony in the fact that they started out trying to make a production that was you know their own that was indie that didn't have the big studio name on it and then in the end it ends up getting picked up by disney and like miramax some of the biggest studios ever yeah it was just it was weird because the recobble version really lets you know that like there's a lot of people out there that care about this film because 
because that's people doing this on their own time on YouTube, like for free. Like it's just people doing this because they care about this movie and cutting it together with the actual clips that are out there of it. There's storyboards that were cut in there. Yeah. And I, I, I will watch that like after this because I do want to see what this film would look like closer to the original vision that it had. I, I think that there is some merit to the Miramax version. I know that Brittany loves the thief's voice. I like the voice. I think it's and so funny. I like <laughs> some of the lines, but he gets really <laughs> annoying to me, honestly. It's so stupid and that's why I love it. And her monologue is just absolute bananas. But when, he, <laughs> when he starts talking like Jeff Goldblum, that's when I was like, ah, yes, I love this. I love this man. But because of the like cadence that that kind of like speaking way is, it also kind of just makes him sound like like a gay man, like a stereotypical gay man. It's like that voice, which I mm-hmm. love because like I'm just a little non-binary by little gremlin so anything to have Mm -hmm. like some semblance of representation in any era especially something that old which i don't think it was on purpose at all it's just like the way that person speaks sometimes and and honestly like i don't think it's just the way he speaks because there's definitely there's scenes in there like i personally still in my heart of hearts believe that the thief and tack like have a relationship a secret relationship it's his little side piece. Yeah. I bet there's and, a fanfic about it. Oh, and no. One, Hold on. No. I'm about to search. About definitely to search. look that up. In the meantime, let me ruin your life. One of the lines that I do love from The Thief is where he tries to claim that he's pregnant to get somebody to show him mercy or not attack him. And considering all of the scenes he had with Tack before that, obviously it is. Oh, yeah. So there if is- anyone out there wants to like draw a what Tack and the Thief's baby would look like. There is an AO, there's an AO3 tag for this movie. I know what we're all doing after this is done. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Oh, I found a one shot. Oh no. Let us know if you want. Fiction.net. There's once lived a cobbler. This person wrote in their notes just to kind of give a taste on this. I love The Thief and The Cobbler. Hands down, it is my favorite artistic film. Both the cobbled version and the edited version. I was brought to it by Nostalgia Critic, my favorite critic, by the way, and just fell in love with it. So here's my second pick of it. I hope the fandom grows in popularity one day. Do you want to hear the little blurb about the one that I found that's the thief slash cobbler on AO3. Oh, oh no. Bring it's it on. Be absolutely fair, but yes. Okay. It says, in need of an outlet for his energy, the thief continued his swiping spree while hiding from people. There he would formulate a complicated plan to steal something that needed more than just quick hands. Will he succeed? <laughs> Ooh. My so interest is I'm so intrigued. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, by the way, anyone listening, uh, let us know if you want us to do a a dramatic reading of any of these fanfics. Of any fanfic. Any fanfic. My Immortal, if that tickles anyone's panties. Yeah, why not? That could be be a special if people are into it. That'll be a whole ass mess because I'm like slightly (laughs) dyslexic, so I trip over myself a lot. But, uh... I'd do voices. I would make voices up. I 100% would be on board with it. it I would just read slower than y'all. <laughs> That's, That's totally cool. all right. We'll have to see if uh, if the audience wants to hear something like that. If you guys are like, hey, we would want that for our earballs. Yeah. We got you. 
<laughs> also, definitely at me for those uh, beef slash cobbler babies. I'll share them to our group chat. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, overall, what would you kind of like rate this movie? Because it it's solid. Like the animation is solid. The story is not bad. It could be better out, but it's not bad. Do you want to go it's, first? You guys are thinking so intently. Because this was my Hard. first experience with this. So like it was a lot. You'll be more <laughs> honest because you're not clouded by nostalgia. So <laughs> I personally feel like the animation was gorgeous. The, there was a lot of care put into it. It's very clear that not everything is animated like this anymore. It did need a fair bit of narration but that also kind of leans into the fact that it is an unfinished product like yes they did cut it together they technically finished it but it was not finished in the way that it was originally intended to be the thief's part could have been a lot less the character designs were really interesting like even some of the background characters like zigzag had like those three dudes like followed him around and the one had like a corkscrew nose that was bonkers <laughs> The, the one-eye guy kind of reminded me of Aku from Samurai Jack. Samurai Jack. Yeah. yeah. Some was, Aku energy. Yes. That right there. You're like, absolutely right. The, the color the scheme. Too. Yeah. The color scheme Thanks. was there. <laughs> and it was entertaining. Like, I was not bored. It was a good movie. I just think that it's really unfortunate that I didn't even know this existed. So I don't know how many other people don't know that this exists, if I can speak. <laughs> so I think it would be really nice if more people got to see this and got to see how much care and attention people really put into this thing because it's really good. Like, it's not bad. I've definitely seen a lot worse things made a lot newer and with a much larger budget, but it was good. I liked it. So what would you say uh, you would rate? Rate it from zero to six six six. What the ten is boring. We'll give it a five fifty five. Okay, that's a high. That's a high number. If it was finished, it it, it would get a lot closer to uh, the highest marks that it could get. I feel it. Now that rose scene, the scene of the animated roses, that's a 666 all day. Oh, yeah. And the blue one had like little stars on it too that moved perfectly with the rest of the roses in the animation. Chef's kiss. Oh, yeah. It's great. What did you think of it, Lilith? It is complicated because <laughs> it isn't the original intended animation. Like you can tell the difference between the original scenes and the ones that were added. So the animation quality is a little inconsistent, but you can definitely tell that there was so much heart put into it from the start. And the people that had gone in and animated parts of it later tried to keep that energy. I think that there definitely was some narration needed because the storyline was just kind of not existing from the start and they needed to add some of that in but I will say that it was over narrated having the bird narrate it could have benefited from a little more showing rather than telling because there were a lot of scenes where you really didn't need a voiceover saying something when it was very clear what was going on like when the thief is like looking at the golden balls it's like in his eyes it's very clearly showing that he's like coveting that item so he didn't really need to be like ooh I want those that kind of detracts from it a little bit. So I guess if I'm rating the Miramax version, which is the only one I've seen fully to this point, I would have to give it 457. That's like really specific. That was really specific. What an interesting combination of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's my turn to kind of rate what I think about it. So I have a bit of a nostalgia. 
And I do love the Thieves narration, unlike Lilith. But the reason why I like it is because it is so bad and I think it's funny. <laughs> so, I mean, take that as you will. Um, Princess Yum Yum is a 10 out of 10 character, a 10 out of 10 character design. Reed. She's pretty to look at. Her animation, besides her dance scenes, are pretty much spot on and smooth. She's interesting. I super like her. Tack, he is also interesting not as interesting as princess yum yum kind of a disappointment in the fact that he thought he could just body a horse and he didn't <laughs> um I, I will say like the beginning i feel is super solid and interesting because of the intricate uh designs in the background and how beautiful everything is but once you hit that desert it kind of lulls for me and gets a bit boring and then once you get past that boring bit suddenly the movie's moving way too fast so i am going to give it out of zero to six 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 i will give it a solid 500 even that has to be our scale for everything now (laughs) we we have (laughs) we've set that precedent that has to be our scale for every single thing that we do now We'll see. Maybe we'll come up with crazier scales. You don't. You don't know what'll pop out of these noggins. Like, like one to sixty-nine, sixty-nine. What? What are you thinking? (laughs) 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 Oh man. Yeah, but overall, it was a solid movie. I recommend it. There's parts that are going to be weird. Parts that are going to be a little bit boring. Overall, Mm -hmm. it's it's amusing. It's fun. It didn't feel like I wasted an hour. So great. <laughs> yeah. And I would also like a loop of the scene where Zigzag is doing rave gloving. <laughs> really makes me feel like I need to see if somebody's got a little something something that I can uh, chill out to and just watch that for a while. What if somebody What if somebody has like a 10 hour loop of that on YouTube? Oh my gosh. Someone <laughs> what you, would. What if you make, like make one? Make a 10-hour loop of that. What would the song be for the for the loop? Sandstorm. Sandstorm. <laughs> 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 it's the only answer. <laughs> that was the only answer. They are like in a desert. <laughs> Oh, really? That was actually why I was sandstorm. <laughs> make the connection to the desert. I was just like, of, of course it would be sandstorm. Oh my, oh my gosh. Did we jinx on that for like wholly different reasons? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, you guys did. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a great movie. I mean, for what it was for the time era, it took three decades to produce. So the fact that something actually got produced by the end of three decades, it was all right. It was pretty good. <laughs> Not just right. like something. You've actually got like several different versions of this. So you've kind of got like a lot of different content, essentially. Like you can watch this movie like three different times and get totally different stuff out of it. Yeah, potentially. That's true. That's true. So audience members that are listening, listeners, you should let us know what versions you up listening to or watching yeah what's your favorite what did you like what did you not like do you ship the thief and the cobbler it'll definitely be interesting (laughs) everybody should ship them everybody immediately i would love it if there was a rise in thief and cobbler fan fiction all of a sudden yes i would be tickled pink i I would absolutely be tickled pink if if there was a rise Oh, yeah. Even fan art, you know, just a little bit fan art, just a little bit. Like, he swam around in sewer. He's super <laughs> gross. Like, he's, he swam in moat poop water. 
cameras oh, around yeah. the city. That is toilet sewers that gets dumped into their moat around the city. And he just swam in that. Like, it was no big deal. My hope for him is that whenever the cobbler had married Princess Yum Yum, that the thief just kind of became part of their harem. Yeah. And, like, just, like, a concubine for them. And that he got access to showers. Well, I mean, they, they ended up hiring him to guard the balls that protect the city. He's near the palace. You cannot tell me that he is not... Am I right? Like a little he's, bit. He's protected more than just those golden balls. Well, I guess, <laughs> I guess tax are golden now. Can't stand. <laughs> Do you guys have any final thoughts for this one? Just that it's a fairly weird movie. Zigzag sucks. He's like a dollar store or wish version of Jafar. But yeah, Princess Yum Yum's great. I love her. Yeah, I would say it's a good movie, asterisk, 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 because there are several caveats. You know, (laughs) keep in mind that that there was originally, it is unfinished. There is originally no story and they had to work with what they had to work with. It's an amazing movie. Oh, yeah, they did good considering that. And uh, I really do hope that more people find out about this. And thanks, Brittany, for bringing this to our attention for like a ridiculous (laughs) first thing for us to talk about. Oh, yeah. And if y'all have any, like, weird animations that have been lost to the sands of time, let us know. We want to see them. Maybe we'll do an episode on it. Oh, for sure. We're not just going to talk about, like, this kind of stuff either. Like, we're going to cover a wide variety of topics here at the Weird Kids Lunch Table. Yeah, we plan to cover a lot of different pulp culture items. So you never know what we'll talk about. We like movies. This just happened to be the first one. We do like movies. But for now, thanks for sitting with us. We hope you join us again for another lunch break at the Weird Kids Lunch Table. Goodbye. Audi 5000. Peace.